Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Hello, hello everyone. This is Suzanne Knabenikol from Police Science Doctor. This week with Police Science Snippets number 132. Police Science Doctor basically just tries to get police science research, investigative psychology, evidence-based policing, criminology, all that knowledge that has been um, created by researchers and universities and related projects and tries to bring it to people who are actually doing the job of being in law enforcement in the military and so on. There is no good path otherwise that does that. So that's what I'm trying to do. One of the ways in which I'm trying to do that is to bring you snippets of research findings that mostly are quite recent, have just been published, and that I think are something that can be applied straight away or some knowledge that you can somehow use straight away. Um, so these are the, the three snippets that are published every week. If you're on the free Police Science Doctor email list, you will receive those every Tuesday into your inbox directly with a link to the original research. And then I come and talk to you online as well. If you're not already on the free Police Science Doctor email list, you can join at any time. You can leave at any time. There is no risk, really. Just Google Police Science, go to Police Science Doctor and leave your details in the form that pops up or that you can find at the bottom of every page. So the snippets I've selected for you for this week are, first of all, homelessness and violent recidivism. Post-release, instability in living situations directly and positively predicts violent recidivism. The similar effect has been found for hostility and addiction. So it is very important, and I've probably said this a lot, that the police should not really work in isolation. If you want to prevent crime, it's, it's more than a law enforcement issue. If you're releasing someone with a history of violence and they are homeless, then as, as we've seen from this, there's an increased risk of them be, being recidivistic. I don't know if that's a verb, but to commit violent offenses again. So try to look at everything um, in a holistic way. And it can't just the police be, it can't just be the police doing that. We need to try and actually, if offending and crime is just a symptom, okay? And uh, the police are always dealing with the symptoms, but we need to be do looking at the root cause. Why is somebody offending? Um, you know, if they've got addiction, if they've got, if they're homeless, that's that's all related to the addiction. The, the addiction is often related to um, past traumatic experiences. What's that got to do with policing? Well, the policing um, people will be mopping this up at the end, rather than just trying to um, other agencies going getting together and trying to deal with something in a holistic manner. So just be aware of that, that a person needs housing, they need some kind of support around them as well, if you want them to not offend anymore. And we know that once you've been in prison, you're more likely to offend than if you hadn't been put into prison. Um, the second snippet for this week is about domestic abuse victimization within the police. So these are people working for the police as staff or civilians or officers that are actually victims of domestic abuse themselves. Research found that the police workforce experiences domestic abuse in similar ways um, and in similar to, to a similar extent to the general population. Females are more likely than males to experience domestic abuse. Of the victims, 47% disclosed the victimization to a colleague, while 37% disclosed to a line manager and 27% were abused by a partner who also worked in policing, which makes it really, really difficult um, to speak out. I think especially in policing, 
one reason anyway um, that victims often don't report is that they don't want law enforcement involved. If you're already working in law enforcement, um, because you know they, they think it will make things worse, it will not help their relationship. And if you're already working in law enforcement and you're reporting someone, or maybe not reporting, but you're telling someone else in law enforcement that someone in law enforcement is abusing you, it gets very complicated and um, support needs to be offered and something needs to um, be put in place, especially for people working in the police. And, you know, there's there's a there's still a very big stigma attached to it. And, you know, they there will be additional fears. You know, like I said, you don't as, you want the abuse to stop. You don't necessarily your, want your partner arrested. Um, but what does it do to their professional reputation if you're if you're telling someone in the police that another colleague um, your partner um, is is abusive, um, and often people will be very reluctant to you know to try to jeopardize somebody else's career with um, with these reports. But um, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be reported and it shouldn't be dealt with. But um, I do think domestic abuse. Does, I haven't got the solution, I'm afraid. But my thinking is along the lines of we must find other ways of dealing with DA than necessarily the law enforcement route. Of course, in some cases, we need law enforcement involved, but there must be something else where the partner can be um, can be regulated by some kind of other official body. Um, and the last snippet for this week is about procedural justice, and that is it's global. It's not the best word I found, but um, you will see what I mean. Um, testing procedural justice in traffic stops it has been found that altering police activity to increase perceived procedural fairness improved citizen perception of trust and procedural fairness in the police. So basically, they, they tested the police dealing with people in a different way when they were doing traffic stops. Um, as you may well know, if we increase the perceived procedural justice of what the police do, people will actually stick to the law. They will they will abide the law. They will commit less of fewer offenses. So it, it works for the whole of the community. People will be safer if um, if they perceive the police as being more procedurally just, and this can be done by getting the police to act in certain ways, to explain things in a certain way, to um, you know their mannerisms and their, the words they use and the actions they take. So in this experiment, they found that if they did these additional things or if they did them differently, people would did actually feel that the police were more fair. Um, so and and the interesting point here is, and that's why I said it's global. These positive impacts did not vary across drivers from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, so again, that's quite interesting because obviously in recent years there's been um, there's been conf perceived conflicts. Um, well, not just perceived conflicts, but there's been conflicts, especially be between police and ethnic minority groups. Um, and it's very interesting to find that this is something that can benefit. Um, have a beneficial effect on drivers, you know, no matter what their background might be. So these are the snippets for today. I hope there was something of there in there of use to you. Um, if not, do remember that there is a lot of um, other previous snippets, 131 times three to be exact, on the website. So if you subscribe to the Police Science Doctor email list, you get access to the read page on the website. And there you can download all the snippets from the previous weeks as PDFs. You can boot yourself up a library. You can browse through them, go to the original research. Um, it's not, um, Unfortunately, I can't influence whether you can access the full article or if you can only um, read the abstract that's down to the publishers and whether your organization has some kind of agreement um, with and license with them or not. So um, hello, Devendra, Devendra Patida. 
Um, thanks, thanks for saying hi. Um, so that was it for this week, and I'll see you again next week. And um, I hope you have a fantastic time until then. Okay, see you soon. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps, and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam, this is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.